God. Start talking. Bad things happen to good people. What are you talking about? C4. The following takes place between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. You ready? Ready? Yeah. I'm uh, I'm ready for that, but uh, but also just uh, we're gonna plug the lacrosse games one more time. Lacrosse Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this weekend. Tune in, Sports Dream. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. All right, Friday night game of the week will feature Michigan lacrosse. Do some other things as well on Friday night DSRs Tuesday through Thursday. So until then, Farushi, Matt, Andrew, and John. I'm Rob. Good night from Chile, Antarctica. Dave Revson with us, Big Ten with that Road to Omaha show. Baseball selection special. You and I think my father must have been the two people watching. Yeah, I don't think the ratings speak for that. <laughs> what do we have to do to get Tom Bredeman and Charles Davis off Michigan games? The two games they do, App State and Toledo. <laughs> That's a heck of a question. I'm sure no one is happy to see them show up. I, I, I would have to believe that's the case. Havlick Hopkins tomorrow night. Big fight and only one person to talk to. That's the great person. I love the fight because of basically what it does. It gives me two contrasting styles. Did you play on the Michigan... 1959, mm-hmm. and I was captain or something. I don't, whatever the hell they did to get me out of the room. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm a Michigan fan. I bleed my maize in blue, and I wonder what happened to him last weekend. Was Jamie Farr the quarterback for Toledo? What the hell was that? This week, they're a 24-point underdog for Penn State. Has Michigan ever been a 24-point no, underdog? No, uh, never. I mean, Michigan is a proud team. It's a proud tradition. And all I ask is, please come back. Do something here, will you? Well, uh, it's all after 6.30 p.m., and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and uh, Jim Dwyer, I think, will be joining us momentarily. Obviously, uh, another eventful Monday on the stock market. Um, to the long and the short of it is basically the Dow is now at its lowest point since May or April of 1997, and the S&P, which is the broader 500 stock, top 500 companies, is the lowest since October of 1996. Uh, No end in sight as the government announces more money being thrown at various uh, irresponsible financial institutions and insurance organizations. AIG, of course, is the problem here. And uh, the situation at AIG, by the way, is so clouded and uncertain that I don't even exactly know what's going on with that company. Um, But I do know that the problem lies in basically credit default swaps and who owes what and who owns what, and it's a bunch of IOUs, and it's too complicated to figure out at the time being. Uh, Interestingly, I don't know if the lads uh, before this show talked anything about the uh, interesting developments in sports over the past week, but... When you hear that the NBA has borrowed um, $175 million to transfer, uh, transfer basically about $12 million to 15 teams in the NBA that are essentially insolvent, uh, you're getting a, a good idea of what's, uh, what's on the horizon. Um, that's half the league. Uh, they're insolvent. Uh, baseball, you know, we don't need to go into the steroids, but steroids involves cheating. And, uh, you know, a troubling report that uh, several major league teams had agents and scouts skimming bonuses from poor Latin American prospects. I mean, this is the kind of culture that we're living in. 
And while Rush Limbaugh can go on some tirade at the CPAC convention, and he apparently has now become the self-proclaimed leader of the Republican Party, um, their fortunes are in uh, free fall itself. They're, they're falling as fast as the stock market. And I wouldn't buy any of this uh, punditocracy nonsense that uh, the current stock market uh, decline this year thus far is some sort of a... Uh, reflection on the Obama administration. Uh, Obama is dealing with so many problems uh, that he has inherited that are related to the excesses of the past uh, 30 years, really, that, um, you know, the, the public is going to give him a lot of leeway. And as for uh, Rush Limbaugh, um, he just may as well be given more rope because uh, he's going to hang himself. And I think that we saw, and Jim has just joined me, but I think we saw in Bobby Jindal's performance uh, in response, um, well, back to the drawing board. Um, yeah, pretty much a, a bankrupt party with, uh, uh, let's, what's the old line from The Simpsons? Is we tried nothing and we're like all out of ideas. Yeah, and uh, I was reading a rather humorous book last night by an author named Susan Jacoby. Ironically, she's actually got a piece in yesterday's New York Times that we don't need to talk about, but she's the author of The Age of American Unreason. And at one point, a critic uh, who she's talking about, she's talking about the, uh, a variety of very interesting cultural issues regarding what Americans believe and what they, this culture of, of stupidity that keeps exploding in our country. One interesting observation she made was that only 57% of Americans read a nonfiction book in any given year, which might explain some of our problems. Because um, if you don't read much nonfiction, I don't understand how you can borrow money from a bank, because you're probably not going to understand the fine print on a mortgage application, for instance. But uh, in the book, she was talking about a critic a well-known critic, uh, kind of a intellectual, because the book is about ideas at the end of the day. And he wrote an interesting piece in The New Yorker about, uh, you know, the sort of the dumbing down of American culture. And he talked about a horse on roller skates <laughs> and the image of Bobby Jindal <laughs> wearing a jockey hat and coming out on a horse on roller skates to uh, deliver his... Uh, philosophy and his critique in response to the Obama presentation, which I thought was fairly brilliant. And indeed, polls taken shortly thereafter uh, note that uh, the public now supports the economic plans. This went up from 63 to 80 percent, according to CBS News. And as Frank Rich writes, had more viewers hung on for the Republican response from Bobby Jindal the unintentionally farcical governor of Louisiana, Obama, might have aced a near-perfect score. <laughs> uh, so as for Bobby Jindal, the jockey that came out on a horse on roller skates, I don't know who fell first, the horse or him, but I had to write a limerick in response to this, and hopefully it's a little better than my last one. <laughs> there once was a governor named Jindal who read a speech on TV from a Kindle. His ideas were a sop, his style was a flop, and his presentation no more than a swindle. Uh, he was a disaster. And uh, to listen to the spinmeisters on TV that continue to 
pretend somehow that, you know, the GOP has been in charge of the government, either both branches. They've been in charge of the Supreme Court since Nixon right. named four of them back uh, during his his presidency. But they've been in charge of the government essentially 26 out of the last 28 years uh, before Obama came on the scene. And he's been in power, what, five weeks? I was just going to say a month and a half, barely. Dealing with, you know, the usual nonsense about cabinet appointees and, you know, he has to give speeches here and there to uh, introduce himself to the public and whatnot. So to kind of claim that the stock market collapses, some pundits are doing as a reflection of the Obama administration's vague plans and whatnot is pure nonsense. This is just a continuing repricing of the inflated assets that have been on the books for decades and, of course, some of the growth uh, never occurred. It was all phony to begin with. This is called cooking the books and has been going on for quite some time. And I found it fascinating uh, in the New York Times analysis of the Obama speech, without getting into a lot of the details, just the brief chart that compares uh, this, quote, mini State of the Union. This was not an official State of the Union right. that uh... takes place next year. But this was an informal State of the Union. And uh, without going into the rhetoric of, of uh, Obama, I th thought it was an outstanding speech for the most part. But it has a little breakdown on the kind of uh, themes and the words they used. And I think it's fascinating to compare Obama to Reagan um, because Reagan spent most of his speech talking about taxes and government. Um, and, of course, the 82 recession was uh, a, a horrible event at the time. He only uttered one word about school or college, one word about health care, three words about energy. Um, and, of course, uh, he spent a lot of time talking about the military. His ratio of words to Obama's was 10 to 1. So I think it's a fascinating comparison uh, in the priorities of uh, these two generational shift changers, as they say. Because uh, Reagan's complete lack of understanding of the real problems that America faced back in 1982, which were related to school, college, energy uh, policy, health care, energy. Yeah. Um, and he did spend a little time on jobs, but uh, about half the time that Obama did. I, I just find that a fascinating uh, comparison in terms of the rhetoric used. And, of course, this was the one of the famous uh, speeches where Reagan claimed that government was <clears throat> part of the problem not the solution. And uh, his presidency, along with George Bush II's presidency, well, proved the point. Yeah, irresponsible government uh, really is uh, a major part of the problem. And the idea that uh, Obama could clean up in five weeks what uh, has been piling up for eight years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years uh, is absurd. And it's refreshing to hear uh, somebody talking seriously about education and not just throwing uh, the sort of uh, just bizarre, I don't want to go into the details of the No Child Left Behind uh, program and even their failure to fund that, as uh, ridiculous as it was, uh, to hear somebody take education seriously and the idea that new jobs, new training, new education, really starting from scratch, is uh, largely what's going on right now, redesigning uh, and you know, reassessing what are the responsibilities of government to people. Yeah. And I think that it's a, a debate that the Republicans are losing. And when Rush Limbaugh 
openly praises for Obama to fail, he gets a brain damage award. That is simply not a message that the vast majority of Americans want to hear. Well, Obama's approval rating is like 75%. Yeah. I mean, uh, Rush Limbaugh is really peeing down his own pant leg there uh, because even a dyed-in-the-wool Republican conservative wants the country to do well. Yeah. And, of course, you know, us left-of-center folks down here uh, complain about uh, government that we see, you know, going towards corporations and, you know, setting the world ablaze with pointless wars. You don't hope for the government to fail. You want it to organize and to properly run itself. And to get back in the business of doing good. Um, this country has had great... Uh, performances in some of the administrations in the past in terms of prioritizing um, what we call American values. And it, some of this stuff needs to start at home. And when you have a president as myopic as Reagan that essentially didn't want to talk anything about um, the major issues of the day, in my opinion, because they haven't really changed. We were, we've been in economic decline ever since. And one of the problems with our capitalist system, which of course is is on life support now, is this kind of nonsensical debate that we're having about socialism, right? nationalization versus <laughs> the we, free market system. We've had socialism for corporations since World War II. Yeah. And stocks and bonds are paper assets. They get priced by, quote, markets from time to time up and down. And they're not real value. A job, of course, is. And, of course, America, we, we've talked about this before, has got a numerous problems uh, on the economic front that are connected to these theoretical values of houses. And the bottom line, as uh, uh, actually a fine uh, show this, this past week, uh, This American Life uh, revisited economic uh, a discussion about uh, the economy once again is that the United States has borrowed too much money for too long. It has had trade deficits and budget deficits uh, that are just too too high for our standard of living, and Americans have borrowed too much money. And the government, of course, has racked up extraordinarily high deficits. The trade deficit and the budget deficit unsustainable uh, at the levels that we've seen over the past generation, and this is not. A problem that Obama has brought on us. He's the man trying to fix the problem. And it's unfortunate when you see all of this other dishonesty that's just rampant in our in our uh, culture, you know, agents skimming money from poor Latin American kids that are baseball prospects on their signing bonuses. This is disgusting. And what Obama really needs to do is maybe uh, take one of the uh, inevitable plants that Chrysler will have to close at some point and open it up. <laughs> open it up to the white-collar criminals. Um, it's just staggering. And if you want to get an idea of how far the stock market has come down in uh, recent, in recent um, weeks, it's fascinating to look at where it was at before the AIG, Merrill Lynch, hmm. Lehman Brothers fiasco that happened a weekend back in mid-September when John McCain pretty much committed suicide on a Monday, the 15th of September. You know, the, the S&P is down almost 50%. Oil prices 
are down more than 50%. I mean, there, there's just been a complete repricing of commodity prices, housing prices, stock prices, and this has nothing to do with Barack Obama. Now, a more unfortunate real situation is the fact that the BBC last night, through British humanitarian groups, reported that the recent incursion and bombing of Gaza by the Israeli government has created 50,000 homeless people and 400,000 people are without water. That's serious. Yeah. Our problems are just sort of reorganizing our, our priorities and our checkbooks and some belt tightening and some, um, you know, back to reality, back to rationality. Forget about the ghosts and the uh, horoscopes. Uh, troubling to hear that one of the booming businesses in the uh, Washington, D.C. area is apparently a fortune teller that can, uh, it's now charging three ninety nine a minute. We can call her up and have your f fortune told over the phone. Paw through the goat entrails with Nancy Reagan. I would try Mr. Ed. He might be on roller skates somewhere, and he might answer your call. I'm sure uh, his uh, prediction would be as valid as the fortune teller. <coughs> <coughs> One area of Obama's speech that probably did disappoint uh, yeah. some people locally, and let's face it, uh, you you got to play to the entire nation, uh, has to do with uh, troop drawdowns in Iraq and the seemingly insistent notion that Afghanistan is a winnable uh, enterprise. And uh, while I think you and I probably disagree with both of those uh, aspects of the speech, I think it's really interesting to note, uh, as reported in the weekend, uh, this last weekend's edition of the Financial Times, um, Obama speaking to uh, a Marine base in North Carolina. Uh, and this is interesting because that was, of course, the only place that Bush ever spoke was before military personnel because, of course, they are compelled through duty uh, and training to respond respectfully and uh, enthusiastically. But uh, I find it fascinating to read that when Obama said, let me say this as plainly as I can, by August 31, 2010, our combat mission in Iraq will end. He told thousands of cheering soldiers at a Marine base in North Carolina. The soldiers applauded politely for Bush, but really they were looking to cheer mm -hmm. about not having to go back over there. These families of our uh, service people have been suffering real economic hardship, uh, you know, just as well as everybody else, but even more so because of the emotional strain and the anxiety. Also good to see that the uh, Obama administration has reversed the Bush administration's policy on uh, non-photography of returning coffins. Uh, they've opened it up to this is a personal matter. The people, the families who've lost a loved one uh, may take photos and do whatever they want with those photos. That's their personal call to make. That's an American value. Yeah. yeah and letting it, people make an individual choice about what they want to do about their dead loved ones. And interestingly, that was a policy reversal uh, that Dick Cheney came up with from the first uh, per Iraq War when he was Secretary of Defense. Yeah, there was that weird moment during the first uh, Gulf War where some uh, cleverly anarchistic 
uh, broadcasting programmer did a split screen with Bush talking about uh, Bush the first talking about how great the war was going, and the split screen briefly showed coffins being unloaded off of planes at uh, a marine base, and uh, that guy lost his job, you know, within hours. But uh, the point was fairly uh, dramatically made there. And uh, indeed, it's interesting, by the way, that the most recent Harper's Index has chance that a U.S. Gulf War veteran still f suffers from Gulf War illness, quote-unquote, according to a federal panel, one in four. So while the casualties in Iraq, in terms of deaths, uh, were not anywhere comparable to what's going on now, um, it is sad to see that probably sometime this year the combined death total from Iraq and Afghanistan will exceed 5,000. Um, there is an interesting mm, sort of leaked uh, discussion about this uh, Obama-Iraq policy mm -hmm. that uh, made its way in, into the uh, New York Times before the uh, Camp Lejeune, I think it was Camp Lejeune, where he was speaking in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, Regarding the debate that was had in the in the in the administration regarding the options, and at least look, Obama, if he has a substantial number of combat troops in Iraq by 2010, that will be a disaster, possibly for the Democratic Party, and we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens. But at least you get a sense, because the reporting by Peter Baker and Elizabeth Boomiller. <clears throat> Note that Obama was given three different options. He, of course, preferred the 16-month withdrawal, and uh, another, quote, timetable was 23 months, and uh, the compromise ended up being this 19-month thing. Now, <clears throat> Thomas Ricks, um, Pentagon defense expert at the Washington Post, has a new book out that I have not yet read, but he was on the lecture circuit recently, and he has talked in depth about the six different phases of the Iraq war, and he's uh, less skeptical. He thinks we'll be in Iraq for quite some time, and that perhaps this recharacterization of a combat unit to a support unit or whatever will be used. Um, well, there's still the unanswered question about all the permanent bases that have been built yeah. there with, you know— Taxpayer dollars and good old uh, Kellogg Brown and Root uh, construction over there, um, and at least Obama knows that it's a disaster. It's nothing that he supported. Uh, it's scary when uh, Dick Cheney is allowed to appear. And by the way, there's uh, now going to be apparently a Senate investigation into the uh, torture policy. Um, this is not something that. <laughs> The Obama administration may be supporting, but at least Congress is looking into it. This involves the CIA, and we need to see John Yoo and um, Dick Cheney's chum, um, John uh, John Addington, in uh, in the hot seat answering questions. And by the way, I just finished a rather interesting and superb book called *The Dark Side* by Jane Meyer. She's a New Yorker. Uh, sort of writer, The Dark Side, entitled The uh, Inside Story of How the War on Terror Turned into a War on American Ideals. This goes into the sort of the the details of the, uh, it's actually David Addington. It's John U. David Addington. Ah. Uh, David Addington and Dick Cheney, um, as one critic, 
put it to her were still fighting Watergate. Uh, they thought that the president, the the imperial president, had lost too much power. Mm. Um, and um, John Yoo, a rather inexperienced uh, dude who was working over at the Office oh. of Legal Counsel, uh, came up with this, uh, you know, he basically believed in the King James Version. And I'm not talking about LeBron James. I'm talking about the sort of the infallibility of the monarch right. concept. Uh, wanted to sort of get rid of the Magna Carta and uh, believed that uh, international law was didn't matter and all these other things and that the, quote, war on terror meant that uh, Bush could do whatever he wanted regarding torture and that this was not a violation of the Geneva Conventions and whatnot. So, uh, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, it's well, been now reported, by the way, that the CIA has destroyed evidence in this uh, from these torture sessions. Yeah, there's also been some uh, discussion about how uh, English intelligence was involved at levels that had previously not been acknowledged. And, I mean, to talk about Nixon and Watergate and the idea of the imperial presidency, if ever there was a guy who was the poster boy for minimizing or limiting the power of a chief executive, it was Richard Nixon. And I think that was one of the lessons that the country, uh, you know, had an opportunity to learn there was, okay, we have to have checks and balances. They're an important part of the system, and we need to follow through on punishing the people who violate these laws. And I think, obviously, that's why Ford was never reelected. Uh, the idea that Nixon was not punished for his crimes against the Constitution, I think, was a real sore point for a lot of people. And I think it made a lot of young people uh, cynical and give up yeah. on, on politics. And uh, now, you know, with this new uh, administration, we're seeing a degree of excitement among young teenage people, college students, um, <clears throat> about politics that you really do have to go back to the 60s uh, to get anything close to uh, the sort of feeling that, yeah, it does make a difference. You do have to pay attention. You do have to be involved and participate. And you got to scrutinize the guys who are making the decisions that uh, have the potential to humiliate our country. Meanwhile, by the way, in Britain, uh, John Burns from the New York Times in the 25th uh, edition uh, of uh, New York Times is reporting that on Tuesday, last Tuesday, the British government said it would, quote, block the release of records of cabinet discussions on the legality of invading Iraq uh, using its power under the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, it says Justice Minister Jack Straw said keeping the March 2003 cabinet meeting secret was essential to maintaining effective cabinet government, quote, unquote. But David Howarth, the opposition... Uh, Liberal de of the de uh, Liberal Democrats and they're sort of a third opposition party because uh, the conservatives are considered the primary opposition party in Britain, said that this decision, quote, had more to do with preventing embarrassment than with protecting the system of government. Those would be fascinating discussions to be released to the public. Indeed. Of course, the Downing Street memo was one of the yeah. first major you know, pieces of information that gave the world the opportunity to see the fraudulent nature of the uh, current debacle 
in Iraq and the selling points uh, upon which it was uh, pushed. Yeah, and that came out in the summer of 2002, by the way, when the British government was becoming increasingly tuned into the fact that the British, uh, that the Americans wanted to go to war in Iraq and that, quote, the intelligence would be, quote, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here from the memo, but would be, quote, fixed around the policy goal. Right. That is where when George Bush, who during his uh, last concert circuit tour, when he was trying to burnish his image, bolster his legacy. It's hard to burnish, nothing at all. <laughs> you know, was saying, I wish the intelligence had been better. Incredible. Yeah, that is a real... We now know that the intelligence was fixed. We know from the dark side, just one more example of how uh, Dick Cheney... And the office of vice president was uh, using all sorts of uh, bizarre legal and almost physical pressure on both people in the CIA and Defense Department to uh, come up with the conclusion that they wanted them to come up with. Preordained um, findings and intelligence that justified the, uh, the, the case to invade Iraq. And... We can criticize Obama for the compromise on this. I mean, it, it basically says that, the, you, know, you know, this is just standard reporting here, but it says Mr. Uh, Mr. Obama's advisors, and I'm quoting from Boo Miller and Baker again, uh, believed the Obama advisors believed that they had reached an accommodation that would satisfy both the military and a public eager to get out of Iraq while relieving the strain on the armed forces and freeing up the resources for Afghanistan standard stuff, but I think that's basically the truth. And, um, well, uh, at least Obama, in his new budget, um, preliminary budget proposal, is putting the Iraq-Afghanistan war on the books. Another example of complete financial fraud perpetrated by the Bush administration on the American people. Yeah, and again, the focus at present for Obama and his administration is to move forward and to sort of bail out the water in the damaged vessel of our state. But uh, one hopes that Congress will continue to uh, investigate all of these other misdeeds because Alberto Gonzalez needs to be brought before a, uh, a board of inquiry as well for his shenanigans. Yes, Fredo. <laughs> you must answer the question. <laughs> but of course he'll come in unfortunately on a horse on roller skates i'm afraid yeah well uh we've uh, just been given word that about a minute uh, to go uh in the program you're listening to wcbn fm ann arbor yes city calling will be uh coming up shortly he's from texas by the way so hopefully he can wear a cowboy hat and do some rope tricks for the senate we need more entertainment well, I don't know. I, I would find a uh, war crimes tribunal to be plenty entertaining. <laughs> Maybe he can lasso Rush Limbaugh, only to discover that <clears throat> he weighs more than a Brahma bull. <laughs> Especially when he's pumped full of Oxycontin, there's no reining that man in. But he believes in capitalism. Okay, whatever and... you say, Rush. Yeah, the uh, the laughs continue. Well, if he's your intellectual heavyweight, 
uh, you're pretty much dealing with an intellectual vacuum because he may be a heavyweight, but he's, as Richard Nixon once said about Dan Quayle, an intellectual lightweight. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, uh, Looks like about... Uh, Nixon was smart. He was just evil. He was evil, but smart, indeed. <laughs> At least there were, there were some brains there. <clears throat> uh, I'd like to thank Andrew for engineering, and 